Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. You're now tuned in to The Investor Show, where we teach simple wealth creation for the common investors with investment advisor, award-winning author, international speaker, and founder of Royal Financial Investment Group, Prince Dykes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Prince of Investing, Prince Dykes, coming all the way live from the beautiful state of Denver, Colorado. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, comment, and share button. Have us, you may catch us across the globe um, and all the good stuff like that. Don't forget, also, if you got comments, just drop comments below and follow the description box to follow the, um, to follow the show. But as always, I don't have a lot of time. I definitely, you guys don't have a lot of time, so we're going to jump straight into it. Today, we have a very, very special guest coming to you guys all the way from Denver, Colorado, Mr. Tim Cullen of Colorado Harvest Company. He's here live to us, with us today. He went from being a biology school teacher all the way to building a multi-million dollar uh marijuana cannabis company right here in the local state of denver colorado and you know denver being the first city to do to go into marijuana so we're very very pleased to have him on today to talk about marijuana invest into the marijuana industry the regulations um the stocks that are out there publicly traded companies all the great stuff you guys stay tuned but without further ado let me introduce you to my guest mr tim cullen Oh, today, Mr. Cullen. I am great. Thank you for having me on. Definitely, definitely. Thanks you. Thank you for stopping by. But for people who out there who don't know who you are, I kind of want to give them an introduction to tell them about the Colorado Harvest Company right here in Denver. We know Denver uh, was the first city to legalize marijuana. Mm-hmm. You know, for uh, for people to go out there and purchase or whatnot. And you have three locations here in Denver, and you also have two other locations. Um, production company, not production company, but production warehouses. I sure, would say. absolutely. And uh, you know, you, you was a biology teacher, built a multi-million dollar cannabis uh, company, and um, I don't want to talk too much about you. But for people out there who don't know who you are, if I missed anything, would you like to tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I was a high school biology teacher. I taught science for ten years, and then had an opportunity to jump into the legal cannabis business in mm-hmm. Colorado. And so uh, nine years ago, we leased our very first warehouse, and that's where we started as a medical marijuana company. I have one other partner, and we've been able to grow this company for the last nine years into multiple locations through all sorts of rule changes and regulations into the recreational market that Colorado has today. Okay. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask, you know, people always ask me 10,000 times all, all the time, hey, we have the marijuana industry. 
you know, how can I get involved? 2014, you was one of the first ones to get your license here in Denver before the state took over, and we're seeing it kind of spread throughout the nation. If someone who's out there, you know, using their Robin Hood or E-Trade or TD Ameritrade, uh-huh. whatever the case may be, how could they get involved with becoming an investor? Can he do that publicly, or do we have to get someone privately? So, mm-hmm. I live in this little bubble in Denver, Colorado, where marijuana seems very legal, and it is here, mm-hmm. but it is still federally illegal in 2018. And so, as a result of that, marijuana companies cannot be publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And so, we are we are still privately owned and and held, and that and that's it. It's just myself and and my other my one other business partner. So um, at this point, it's very difficult for anyone to make an investment in marijuana companies without being an owner who's on license. And it's not as easy as go on your Robin Hood and buy some stock for a Colorado Harvest Company because we're not traded that way. Do I think in the next few years that will change? Absolutely. I think I think all these companies will be able to have IPOs and go public and, and play in that sector if they choose to do that or stay privately held. But today, that's it's not really possible. You can make an investment in the bottles, in the security companies, in the website designs, in, um, I don't know, any of the ancillary products that surround the cannabis companies. But to actually invest in the company, it's not possible today. So you mean to tell me all the companies that people are seeing out there, all these marijuana companies, you know, these new penny stock companies, these companies out there that are like, hey, we're a marijuana, leading men in the marijuana industry. They're not really marijuana companies per se so they're they're playing in a gray area right there um and there are also now uh companies that are traded on the toronto stock exchange like canopy growth and um you 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 can jump into those companies and i i notice that canopy is now being traded on um on the new york stock exchange and so i'm not i'm not exactly sure how they're navigating through all of that because Colorado Harvest Company would not be allowed to just become a publicly traded company at this point. Wow. Okay, but when As a matter of do- fact, it would, it would even be difficult for someone to invest in Colorado Harvest Company who was not a resident of Colorado, much wow. less just purchasing stock. So if someone wanted to invest in your company, they would have to be a resident of Colorado. They would. They would. Wow. The rules just loosened up a little bit. Now they can be a minority shareholder and not be a resident. But to be a majority shareholder, you do have to be a resident of the state. Okay, so let's back this up a little bit, Tim. How did you, per se, get involved uh-huh. into the business itself? Sure. It is a story. I'll try to keep it short for you. There, <laughs> um, so I started off at the beginning. Colorado, Colorado had the second medical marijuana program in the country in the year 2000 past Amendment 20. And so medical marijuana has been around for 18 years in Colorado, which is longer mm-hmm. than most people realize. Um, my father has a disease called Crohn's disease, an intestinal disease. Wow. And when he had it, he went and got his medical marijuana card. And I talked with him a little bit about it at the time. He's a, he's a former military vet also, and wow. he's, okay. he, he was in Vietnam. And I, he grew up in the 60s, and I knew he had been around cannabis as my whole life. And um, so it wasn't a big surprise to me that dad went and got his medical marijuana card. So I wasn't, I wasn't shocked about that. Two years later, I was diagnosed with the same thing too. And then I looked into it a lot more. And that's when I realized that you could combine these cards together. You could grow plants for each other under this caregiver model. So I pushed some boxes out of my basement and 
bought a couple lights and set up a little thing down there and um, started growing plants for my, my father and I. And over the next few years, I got really good at it because of that biology background. I was really intrigued with the the nutrients and the the plant mediums and the lighting and the pest control and just how you how you make all this happen in in an indoor environment but it's also amazing to me in hindsight looking back at all this that that was the confidence that let me quit my job and pull out all of my retirement and invest it into a warehouse with no idea what i was getting into at all and and it's worked out fine at this point but that was that when I look back at that, I, I just can't believe that I was that confident that this was all going to work out at that point that I just I threw all caution to the wind and said, I'm, I'm just doing this. I'm going to make it happen. And so that was the beginning of it. And then um, Colorado Harvest Company was able to get two of the first 12 licenses for recreational sales in 2014. We're a medical company from 2009 to 2014. January 1st, 2014, we opened up for the world to come in and shop in our stores. And... Um, then we were able to get another license coming out of uh, the city of Aurora when they opened up for licensing too. And so we've just been able to grow organically, literally, and the business and, and the product and um, have a nice customer base. And we have a lot of fantastic employees and some beautiful stores. And mm-hmm. we're just a little boutique chain at this point, I guess is what you'd call us. We're not we're not the biggest store, mm-hmm. but um, we're also not exactly mom and pop owned and- anymore. So. Now, one of the things that you, you you spoke about, you haven't, you know, because uh, one of my best friends, his wife has Crohn's disease, uh-huh. and you know, it's it's shocking to see that you know marijuana actually helps with that. Now, I want you to what's the difference between medical and recreational? You good know, question. Good question. There's not one really. The difference is <laughs> well, in terms of how the plants are grown, there's no difference at all. In mm-hmm. our production facilities, we grow medical plants, we grow recreational plants. They mm-hmm. grow right next to each other. It's how they're taxed is the real answer to that. Medical plants are um, free to transfer from the grow to the store, and then we collect Denver sales tax on those 7.2%. Recreational plants are, are taxed um, with an internal excise tax that happens to fund public schools to the tune of $40 million a year wow. comes from the marijuana industry. So we pay almost $300 a pound when we move that product from a production facility to the retail store. And then at the point of sale, we collect almost 22% sales tax from the customer there. And so that is how marijuana is taxed so and how do legal you, in Colorado. How do you differentiate between medical and the recreational you just kind of because it seems as a business it seems to be so, medical needs to be the place to go but so that i i know what you're getting at there so so there are these plant tags that we have to assign to a plant as soon uh, as a plant is eight inches tall and it goes into a plant medium to grow it has to be tagged and that's part of being a legal licensed company is you have to tag your plants once you tag that plant it lives with that tag all the way through the whole process um it's got a unique barcode it can be scanned it can Mm. everything that was ever watered in or sprayed onto that plant becomes part of its ingredient list how that plant is transferred to the stores how the state tracks it so the state of colorado developed a portal if you will that's a an interface that we enter our inventory on one side and they look at our inventory on the other side. And then when we do transfers, they have to see that the batches we put together are transferring to a medical store or transferring to a recreational store. And so before I file my sales tax, they already know what I owe them on their sales tax. Now, do you sell to hospitals? We do not. No. So 
the medical program is called medical, but really it takes a physician to make a recommendation. It's not a prescription that medical marijuana may work well for you. And then you can you mail that recommendation into the state of Colorado. Now it's finally set up online. And then they, they send it back to you and you have your card. And then you that will get you into a medical marijuana store. So Colorado Harvest Company has a medical side and a recreational side. And they carry similar products, but a little bit different. The biggest difference from the consumer standpoint is that a, a packaged product like an edible on the medical side, the sky is the limit potency wise. They can be a thousand milligrams stronger than that if they wanted to be. On the recreational side, 100 milligrams is all that can be in a packaged product. So, so the, the products are a little stronger or a lot stronger on the medical side. But as far as flour is concerned, it's the same plant being grown on both sides of it. Now, which one is more profitable for you, the medical or the recreational? Well, it's amazing to look back at how we've run this company because for years we ran as a medical marijuana company and, and that was fantastic. When recreational sales hit in 2014, we realized that only 10% of our sales were medical. And so as much as I wish that the medical side were more robust, mm -hmm. it's not because you do have to jump through hoops. You have to go see a physician. You have to pay a fee. You have to mail in paperwork. You have to get that paperwork back. You have to take it into the center. Or you can just walk in and pay a higher tax, but you can just shop today with your recreational side. So fewer and fewer medical patients are renewing their medical marijuana cards. And the state's registry list keeps going down, which means that this pie is sliced really, really thin, yeah. and it's very difficult to maintain the medical side of it. So Today in 2018, we see 90% of our sales are through the recreational side. But also what's fascinating to me too, Prince, is that the same questions that people had on the medical side are the same questions that they have on the recreational side. And you might think that the recreational side, by virtue of the name recreational, is just about people partying. It's not. Most of these people shopping for recreational marijuana are still shopping for the same reasons that people are shopping for medical marijuana. And the number one reason is people just want a good night's sleep. That is it. Wow. That is the number one reason people are shopping for cannabis. They want to be able to fall asleep. Now, when you look at prices and you look at the competition, who is your number one competitor? Oh, there's no question about it. The black market the is black the market. Number, one, number one competitor for sure. So what do you guys do to try to like you know slow down the competition? Is there anything you guys we can do? We don't do anything as a company to try to do it. So you call to, the cops on them and say, hey, I no, see No, no, no. I don't call the cops on anyone. The... Um, <laughs> I, I think as a as a owner of a of a cannabis company, you're just not allowed to call the cops on <laughs> anybody. Like yeah, exactly. When, so that's not true. We we have called the police on people before. What? Not for growing marijuana, for though. <laughs> We're break, trying to break into the stores yeah, at night. I, I we talk about security too. But let me answer your it. question. So mm -hmm. forever in the black market, seven grams of marijuana costs one hundred dollars. Once marijuana was legalized in Colorado, seven grams of marijuana you couldn't. You would almost have to try to pay more than fifty dollars for seven grams of marijuana. Like a quarter of marijuana is just not a hundred dollars anymore, and it's because the fear factor has been taken out. the The clandestine underground mm. basement grows are gone, and so you have this black market trying to compete with with literal real farms who are using tractors and combines and 
greenhouses to harvest products. And this guy's trying to grow a little weed in his basement and trying to charge $100 for seven grams. Just the incentive was taken out of the black market. So the goal of legalization was to crush the black market, bring this product out into the open where it can be sold taxed and regulated. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happened. And Colorado has been a fantastic example for other states in this country, but honestly, the whole world about how this marijuana market can be regulated and taxed. And it clearly works. Okay. Now, one of the, the cool things I saw that you also partner, you got the uh, nation's best selling, uh, it's the open vape. Correct. That's like the, that's like the best one in the nation. That you guys I'd own? like to think so. That's the best one in the nation. <laughs> well, best selling wise. Best selling, yeah. That's definitely best selling. So, uh, kudos for that. So, is that your most profitable product? It is not. The, the, the flower that we grow in, in Colorado and sell in Colorado in our stores, the raw marijuana product, that is our, our number one profit margin wise. That is our number one best seller. Every other product in the store would be. Um, would be other vendors that make edible products, everything from gummies to chocolates to drinks to granola to vaporizers and concentrates, all those things we, we buy just like any other retailer would buy from, from a vendor. So, um, and even though I, Colorado Harvest Company is part of the open vape family in terms of ownership, we are treated the exact same way as every other store in the state of Colorado or in the country. We don't get special deals at Colorado Harvest Company because we're partners there. We've always kept that arm's length. And I think that was it was something we were initially worried about. And then it just became a best practice for us. And we've always maintained that. So I order products from them. They send me the same bill they send to every other store. And I pay their bill. But they do drive traffic into the stores. There's no question about it. So. Okay. As you would, you would not be making a good business decision to not carry open day products in your stores because customers want them. Now, you employ about 78, 80 people, Correct. right? But the, the most noticeable thing that I saw is that you have a very low turnover rate. Mm -hmm. I think it's like 5% or less Correct. than 5% turnover. How do you keep people happy? And also, I want to know. Do you have to be 21 to work inside of the... You do have to be 21 to work mm. at a, at a, in a marijuana company, yes. And you also have to be able to get a badge, too, which is a state background check. And that means that you're, even with the state, you don't have outstanding parking fees. You, you're paying mm. your child support. You don't owe back taxes. You've paid up on your student loans. Um, so the state does this background check. You do have to be 21. But the, the real trick is... is is the same as everyone else. You know, any companies that are successful in retaining employees are doing it because they have good culture and they pay living wages. So mm. the average the average employee at Colorado Harvest Company makes $17 an hour. We cover their wow. health care. Um, we provide paid time off. We have maternity and paternity leave. We just offer, we offer a package that any other business in town would look at and go, those are nice benefits. So are you uh, hiring? We, we are always hiring. We're always looking for great so people. I'm going to give you my card. Okay, you bring, it, bring it on down. <laughs> bring it on down. Okay, so that's, that's uh, great with, you know, having that culture and keeping it with uh, companies and things like that as well. Now, one of the things I wanted to get into was something that I learned that I didn't, you know, I learned offline was that what are some of the tax implications that you guys face? Sure. You know, I, I was there to see this, and I definitely want you to share this with the audience of, you know, a, how traditional business has tax advantages uh -huh. versus what you guys are experiencing right now. Right, right, right. Industry. I'm, I'm going to have to burst their bubble, Prince, because 
everyone thinks that these companies are just raking in money hand over fist. And, and that is true in some sense. I mean, we do, we do significant amounts of revenue, but we pay significant amounts of taxes also. And the federal government has set up the taxes in a way that these companies get cleaned out every single month. When we pay taxes, there's no more money left on the table. Wow. There's this obscure part of the tax code called 280E. And there was a state version of it in Colorado that's now been abolished because Colorado legalized marijuana. But we still are subject to 280E on the federal side. So every business in, in the country, when they file their taxes, deducts their payroll, their advertising, and the square footage of the place they operate in, their, their leases or mortgages. Um, we're not allowed to deduct any of those three things. So that's what 280E does. It says you're a marijuana company, you run a federally illegal business, you must pay taxes, but you can't deduct your payroll, you can't deduct your advertising, and you can't deduct the square footage of, of the places that you wow. do business out of. And those three things right there take any profit in the company and we send it to the federal government. So we could have a great month and we just pay more on our quarterly taxes. We can have a terrible month and we pay less on our quarterly taxes. But the goal of 280E is to take every single penny out of the marijuana industry and it works like a charm. Wow. So There's you, no money in here at all. How do you how do you combat that? Because I, I know you in 2007 you made like 7.4 million in revenue. Uh -huh. So how do you compact, you know, you know, or combat, you know, hey, netting, you know, it just has has had to be a philosophy of the company. We know we're not going to we're not really ever going to be profitable until the federal government changes Got the tax it. code. And until then, we we have a nice business and it's a cool place to work and we're on the cutting edge of all sorts of different things and we have this beautiful experiment going on in Colorado and the rest of the world is taking off with it and we've been on the tip of the spear watching it the whole time but until the federal tax code changes there's no money left in marijuana wow. they take all of it strangely <laughs> enough they do Matt the, the cool thing also a great thing that I saw what you you know the benefits that you guys are doing to the community where you guys pay like 30 million dollars you know in taxes you know to our local community here in Denver, and I think it was like you, you guys pay seven times more in taxes than the average restaurant Correct. or regular business here. So you guys are doing a lot of revenue uh -huh. for the company, maybe not for yourself, right? Right. But you are paying a lot of taxes. Sure. What are some other good things or benefits that you, you guys are doing here in the community? So, are there a pro of having? Oh a yeah. So there's account? one awesome loophole, and so if, if and when you your your listeners and viewers come to Denver, you would notice that. Marijuana is legal, but there's no advertising about it. There's no billboards. There's no signs on taxis or buses. or it, It's not in your face. It's, it exists, but it's all kind of quiet. So there is an outdoor advertising ban that is part of legal marijuana in Colorado, and that's why you see that. But the loophole is that if you want to sponsor a nonprofit, then that is a fact. You are a sponsor of a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so a few years ago, we were approached by a group called Levitt Pavilion, who is this awesome family foundation out in New York. Their goal is to bring free art to the community. There are six Levitt Pavilions around the country, and Denver just got the seventh. It's over in Ruby Hill Park, which is where the city of Denver is forever. They call it the rail yard, and they spray snow, and you can hike up and down the hill and ride your snowboard on it. Mm -hmm. um, that's where that's where they put the Ruby Hill Amphitheater. And so they came to us and they were looking for capital contributions. So Colorado Harvest Company, <clears throat> excuse me, donated $100,000 wow. and Open Vape donated $100,000. And we really honestly believed that 
Coors or Pepsi or New Belgium Brewery would step in and become the headline sponsor, and they didn't. And so Colorado Harvest Company and Open Vape are the headline sponsors of Levitt Pavilion in a Denver city park for the next 10 years. And or we have our signs up where we are, we are the headline sponsors of this big music wow. venue in town. And that's, they put what they will put on 50 free concerts this year. They put on about four shows a week all summer long. And then they do three to five paid acts during the year that help to fund the whole thing. And that is a way that we are able to give back to the community and touch more people's lives than we ever could have doing anything else. And it also, in a nice way, allows us to be able to be a part of a nonprofit and sponsor something that's really worthwhile. And then that's a way to advertise. It's not advertising, though. It's sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. You, know, it's definitely, it's definitely, <laughs> you don't want to confuse those oh, things. Yeah, we sponsor Levitt Pavilion. Yeah, yeah it exactly. It just looks like advertising when you're in the park, but it's really sponsorship. So pretty, pretty much, so you, and going forward, the game plans to say, hey, we know that we, we have these tax implications, but we know that one day um, that these will be lifted. Correct. And when once these are lifted, everything will be great. But why are so many... Is it because of the taxes that so many marijuana companies are just failing across the state? I, I think it's got a lot more to do with the regulations. So mm-hmm. when we started in 2009, there was virtually no regulations. Packaging was literally Ziploc baggies, like like cannabis had always been sold on the black market. Mm-hmm. Now packaging looks like something you might see in a Walgreens drugstore. I mean, it is absolutely as 100% pro and legit looking as anything on any retail shelf anywhere in the country. Um all cannabis is tested for potency, how strong it is, like the proof in alcohol. It's screened for pesticides. It's screened for mold and mildew. Um, and that, along with the licensing fees and, and with the tax implications of it, have just made it so smaller businesses just have trouble staying in business. And it, there was a point in time where there were more than 500 dispensaries in the city of Denver is a very small area to have that many of them. Today we have about 200. So you have seen a lot of them go out of business. You've seen a lot of them consolidate. Um, and, and you're seeing a couple new brands start to step in as well. It took a couple years with the new administration in Washington. People were not sure what Jeff Sessions would do with marijuana and, it seems like the answer is not much. Mm. California legalized on Jeff Sessions' watch. So little Tim Cullen in Colorado is not that worried <laughs> about about all of that if the state of California can step forward and do it. Okay. And Jeff Sessions doesn't have anything to say about it. So someone out there who are like, hey, well, on the flip side, I want to get into the marijuana industry. Mm-hmm. What would be your best advice to them? Uh, (laughs) maybe don't (laughs) no no it's uh, honestly for me it's been some of the highest highs some of the lowest lows it has been an incredible journey it's been an amazing learning experience um i i think i think the best way to do it is is similar to how we did it go to a state where it's going to happen where where medical marijuana is on the ballot there are going to be eight to ten of them in this next election where legalization or or medical marijuana will be on the ballot get there and get established open a business apply for a license start you have to start like i think that is the thing that holds back so many entrepreneurs they have these great ideas and they never start the thing about it it, when you said okay in the marijuana industry all these stipulations you gotta get a license and all these things cost money money putting out money and you know when you hit those lows when money is tight and you know whatnot how do you stay alive 
It's hard. It is hard. I, I mean, it is, it is the absolute two feet in commitment. Got to call your rich uncle? To see your rich uncle can't help you either because <laughs> then he has to be on your license and oh, he has to like be a part yeah, of the whole that's thing. that's true. So, um, I mean, I Colorado Harvest Company started with my, it's called Para in Colorado. It's the, the public employee retirement that teachers pay into. I cashed in my $80,000 in Para and I started Colorado Harvest Company with that. Yes, it, that is the barrier for most people. I think if that's the case, it's it's friends and family. It's finding enough money. I would, I mean, it would be worth it to take out credit card debt. It would, I mean, you where there is a will, there is a way. a way. There okay. is a way to be able to do it. You need a, a great logo and a pitch and a and a game plan, and you can bring on investors. You don't have to do it how we did it and be the only two people on the license. You can have ten people on your mm -hmm. license. You can have a friends and family raise you can go pitch it to a venture capital group you can go you you can do it you okay. can do it you have to do it though it's it's the beginning it's the starting i feel like i don't want to sound too cliche but i feel like the universe is not that kind to people who sort of edge into it and try to play it safe you have to jump in with two feet and really go for it you have to quit your job you have to say this is my commitment i'm i'm doing this i'm leasing a building i'm signing my name on it i'm I'm going to start showing up to work here every single day until this place is successful. I'm willing to, to get up early and stay up late. I will do what it takes to get it done to make this successful. And those are the people who are successful. Got it. Now, another thing I want to I don't to think ask, I'm telling you anything you don't know. No, I mean, I definitely want, <laughs> I, I love to hear, you know, I love right. to hear those things of how, because a lot of people say, well, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Excuses. You say, hey, it's a, right. it's a will. It's a way. You'll figure it out it's some type it. of way. Now, Outside of, you know, you got the Colorado Harvest Company that we know you're doing. What else is Tim invested in? What else is Tim invested in? The, so I'm, I'm all over the place right now. I'm working mm -hmm. with a new company called Innate Path. And this is a mental health company that is using cannabis in the treatment of PTSD for mostly Iraq and Afghanistan Vets coming back here, trying to integrate back into society, really using cannabis as a medicine for that. Um, I also play around on Robinhood a little bit too. I have mm. I have a few shares of Amazon, and um, okay. I watch that go up and down every day, and <laughs> try to. It gives me a little bit of heartburn. Our our biggest play, clearly though, is Organa Brands, and Organa Brands is Open Vape. Open Vape was like our number one hit single that we started off with. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a it's a CO two extracted strain specific cartridge of cannabis oil, and it it threads onto a little battery, and it looks like an e cigarette, and mm. you can take a puff of it, and Whoa. you're inhaling marijuana smoke. So that company just happened to come about right at the time the extraction technology allowed for the cannabis plant to be extracted. The e-cigarette technology was was at a place where these things didn't leak all the time and that they actually worked also. We did some really clever marketing at the beginning of it and we were able to get a lot of market share. But Organa Brands has now been able to take on eight to ten different brands, and now we're more of a distribution company than anything else. We've been able to license how we do what we do out to other states across the country. Now we're operating in 13 different states and in uh, four different countries. And so that is really – my investment is really still in myself and these companies mm -hmm. that we've started. And that will probably be how Nate Path is as well. Are any of those companies publicly traded? 
They're not. They're not. They're all privately held. Although I have a I have a sneaky suspicion that with Canada legalizing this fall, the country of Canada is going to come around and get it done before we do legalize marijuana. That you are going to see you are going to see publicly traded companies in that Toronto stock exchange happen to become available. So, and maybe Organa Brands will be one of those. So, Tim, if you was looking to invest into the marijuana industry, you was outside, you was back, you was that biology sure. teacher, you wanted to invest in it, how would you do it? I would look at companies that actually have revenue. I think that's the problem with so many of the penny stocks and the smoke and mirrors and these pink sheet companies. Like, you need a company that actually has real revenue that sells a product that, that operates in a market. And that's what Canada is going to do for these companies. It's not smoke and mirrors. They really have a, a regulated distribution system. They really have sales. They really have you know quarterly reports that these companies put out. You really can investigate these public companies mm-hmm. and see who's doing what and who's, who's merging with who and what's really shaken and really get a sense of it that way. But I would not just invest your life savings into these penny stocks floating around. I think they're really dangerous fly-by-night investments. But there are more and more examples of really good players who are going to do really amazing things. But I also think OpenVape will, will likely be one of those first companies that whether you use the product or not, it'll be like Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. You will know what it is, whether you like or use the product. It'll become a name brand, a name brand company like that. And it's really cool to be a part of that from the very beginning. Exactly. You know, exactly. Get, getting involved with it. But, you know, you know, our time is up. And before we get out of here, uh, what is it that you want to leave to the audience and the people? Or how can people get in contact, you know, with Colorado Harvest Company, follow you, all the other great stuff like that? Sure. So I'm on social media, I'm Big Green Flower. I can't believe Big Green Flower wasn't taken, but I'm the Big Green Flower. That's your, that's your name. Big that's Green. my name. I'm Big Green Flower. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, Colorado Harvest Company. You can mm-hmm. you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or on Twitter, and all the social media platforms. You can come visit us in the stores. I mean, we're we're not so big that I'm not around mm. in the stores every single day. I show up to work. Um, which store I, you use, which one you spend the most time in? You know, none of them. I, I make my rounds between all of them because mm. they're all they all have their own special, unique problems. They're like having children that are off in the world and they all need <laughs> their own special attention. So, um, so yeah, come you can swing on by and visit. But I think if I were going to leave you with something, it's it's that it's that follow your heart, follow your dream, be an entrepreneur. Everyone has something that they can contribute outside of a nine to five job. If you're now I feel bad because I am probably the man in some people's mind that people are working for, but I, yeah. I have also tried to create a, a company that respects that amongst the employees that work at Colorado Harvest Company. But it came from me being the first employee there and having this vision and this dream and being willing to make those sacrifices and that commitment and move forward with that in a way that was single-mindedly focused on finding success one way or another. And I think everyone can do that. That is within everyone's power. Got it. Okay. All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this this is the Investor Show. Not the Investor, but this is the Prince of Investing and the Investor Show. I'm your host, Prince Dice, coming all the way live from the beautiful state of Denver, Colorado. We just had an amazing episode with Tim Cullen of Colorado Harvest Company, giving so many great gems that I've learned that I had to study. And learn about <laughs> marijuana. And we're glad to have them all. Thank you. 
uh, until the next video, podcast, cartoon, or whatever else you see us do crazy around the globe. Peace, be safe, I'm out, and thank you. All right. Awesome.